Good morning to you and Maranatha. Our Lord comes. And we are excited about that, that truth. And who knows, it could be today. And my open prayer is that if you are ready, that you know the Lord Jesus Christ, and you're saved by faith, you have trusted on Him for salvation and what He accomplished on Calvary's cross. If you believe that He died for your sin, and you believe that He lived for you, Judah goes into 
Babylonian uh, captivity. Micah does mention Babylon in, in, in the book of, of Micah. Um, prior to Babylon becoming a force, it was really Assyria that was threatening Israel, but also threatening Judah. It's, it's Assyria that comes down and, and Sennacherib and, and two other kings of, of Assyria continually trying to take over Judah during Hezekiah's time. King Hezekiah's time, uh, Assyria was coming down. They they wanted to, to take Judah. They pretty much controlled Israel. And we know from uh, from Second Chronicles, well, and also Second Kings, that Sennacherib. Uh, uh, Gilgath-Pizer sent uh, a contingent down to, to Hezekiah and said, why do you people, and this was during Michael's time of prophesying, and he says, why do you people serve your God? Why do you people continue to believe in your God while this country believed in their God and you see what I did to their God? And this country believed in their God you, and you see what I did to their God. And this country, and this country, and so they were boasting, and they were bragging, and they were trying to strike fear in Judah's, uh, in the nation of Judah. And as a matter of fact, uh, they did not want the mighty men of Judah. They didn't want the soldiers of Judah to hear what this this representative from uh, Assyria, from Nineveh, was saying, and said, oh, "Let them listen, because it was like fear." Uh, Hezekiah. Hezekiah had the answer. And what did Hezekiah do? He prayed. He turned to God. He turned to God. And where the Jews, uh, uh, the nation of Judah, were they capable of going out to Assyria with drawn swords and saying, hey, we're going to take you on. You don't stand a chance. They did. They went out. But God had already taken care of them. And, and what God had already done is he had put a rumor, a rumor, into their mind, and they said, "Well, oh, we gotta go." We, and they left. And God showing His power in, in doing things of that sort throughout His His people when they would pray and they would turn to Him. But then, uh, prior to Hezekiah, His son uh, or his, his father was a bad king, and they just kept falling all over themselves. And you say, Pastor, you're starting to sound like a broken record with these prophets and what they were dealing with and what they were going through in the historical account and all that was taking place. Well, can you imagine if it sounds like a broken record to you, can you imagine what it sounds like to God? Can you imagine what it was like to him? And we, I'm already out of patience dealing with these people. This nation of Israel got to read through here and, and they didn't tear down the roads. They didn't tear down the high places. God rescued them. God, God saved them. God did miraculous things after miraculous work. And they would still turn to the other gods. They would still worship the other gods. I can imagine how impatient God must have been. But the word to Micah And I'm going to gather them. I'm going to save them. I'm going to make them my people. I'm going to do a work in their lives. 
And he's going to, not because the people deserve it, as we're going to see, but because God saved his heart. And he is a faithful God. And what God says he's going to do, God is going to do. And Micah is just another example of God saying, I'm going to do this. Some of the things in Micah have been fulfilled. So if those things have been fulfilled, then what can you be pretty sure of? Not pretty sure. You can be positive of. That these other things that he says he's going to do, he is going to do. And we can trust him to do that. So Christ of the book in Micah is the fact that he is gatherer. Uh, he deals primarily with Judah, but he does say a little bit about uh, Israel. In fact, one of the things that Micah talks about one of the things that takes place while Micah is, is prophesying is what Hezekiah does. The king of Hezekiah, the Assyrians are whipped and they lick their wounds and they go back and Judah is safe for a while. But Babylon, which is kind of part of the same country and, and Assyria was still pretty strong at that time, but but Babylon, uh, they were starting to gain power. And as soon as Assyria and Nineveh, they leave, you have Babylon that comes in, and they come all friendly and, and say, hey, how's it going? And, and hey, we heard you've got a lot of money in your temple. And Hezekiah said, yeah, what we do? You want to see it? And so Hezekiah takes it and opens up the temple and shows them everything. And it's actually through Isaiah that we read that he goes, why did you do that? Why did you do that? Because Babylon now is focused in on fellows, those riches. Just asking for trouble. They should have never allowed them to go in. Well, it was also during this time that Micah was preaching and declaring what all God is going to do. You will not listen. They will not listen. He warns of coming judgment. He pleads for repentance. He delivers the promise of the future Messiah and all the future blessings, and they ignore them. One of the things that I want to point out, and we pointed out something similar in one of the others, look at Michael 1.9. about the northern kingdom, Israel, and judgment on Samaria. I want to point this out to you. And as I do this, I want to remind you all that we are in the dispensation of the grace of God. And how thankful I am for God's amazing grace. How thankful I am that I am in the body of Christ I am part of that body. I have been sealed into the day of redemption. The reason God loves me, the reason God is so faithful and I can trust Him is because of that position in Christ. I'm part of the body. If I, I would never on my own do enough to pacify a holy, righteous God. We need to make sure we understand that. There's. There's nothing we can do to make God go, boy, I should have walked in more today than I did yesterday. 
We, God loves us already with a perfect love. And the fact that we are in Christ, His beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased, the only one that God the Father could ever say, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased, is Christ Jesus. And I am in Him. And during this present dispensation, salvation was offered to Jew and Gentile based on His work on Calvary's cross and based on the fact that there was a mystery, there was a hidden secret, there was a plan of God to redeem fallen men to Himself before the fall of before the foundation of the world. And that was revealed to the Apostle Paul this glorious truth, this glorious time that I'm part of, that you're part of, that we are saved, we are more than conquerors through Christ who loves us. There's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. I want you to understand that unique position that we, the church, the body of Christ has. That we have been made, that Christ was made sin for us. Even though he knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God. And folks, your preacher is anything but the righteousness of God. But you know what? I am in the one who is perfect. And I am complete in him. I said all that to say this. Micah, and to me, this is just junk out of me. Maybe it was just me here in the study. I've not seen it the last time that I studied Micah. But Micah 1 9. Talking about judgments coming to Syria. Verse 9. Or Samaria, not Syria, Samaria. For her wound is incurable. For it is coming to Judah. He is coming to the gate of my people, even to Jerusalem. For her wound is incurable. There was no healing. There was nothing they could do about it. At this point, they were becoming low and not my people, the nation of Israel. And how God was dealing with them, judgment was about to fall. Harsh. Under the law, under that program, under God's dealings with the nation of Israel and Judah, that was a possibility. Her wound is revealed. Listen, that's something that you will never read in all your presence. That's something you'll never hear about in this present dispensation of grace of God. Look at 2 Chronicles 36. Remember, this is the time that Michael was preaching. But look at 2 Chronicles. And me saying things like this, if that's starting to become a broken record, praise God. Praise God. That's the kind of broken record, that's the kind of thing you want to hear every single day. And we're already more than conquerors. That will never be said. Your sin is incurable. Christ on Calvary's cross, the blood that he shed. Anything and everything when it comes to sin, my mistakes. Second Chronicles 36, verse 6. 
When he talks about the messenger from God, he's talking about Micah and Hosea and Isaiah and all of those guys. But they mocked the messengers of God and despised his words and misused his prophets until the wrath of the Lord rose against his people, his people, till there was no remedy. Is that sin or what? That was their condition. That was Israel's condition. There was no remedy. There was nothing they could do. Exodus 19, verse 3. And Moses went up to God, and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt I say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I buried you on eagles' wings and brought you into myself. Now therefore, if you obey my voice and indeed and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me of all the people, for all the earth is mine. You shall be a king, and you shall be to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. It was conditional. Here's what you need to do. Look at Ezekiel, uh, look at Exodus.
coming to judgment. He pleads with them, with the nation of Israel, with the nation of Judah. None of the prophets are more descriptive of this promise than Micah. It's in Micah that Christ is the gatherer. Look at Micah 2, verse 12. Micah, verse, chapter 2, verse 12. I will assuredly assemble, O Jacob, all of them, and I will surely gather the remnant of Israel, and I will put them together as the sheep of Basra and the flock of the midst of their fold, for they will make a great noise by the reason of a multitude of men. I'm going to bless you. It is going to be incredible. Look at Micah 4. Signed an agreement with the 
and called his name Emmanuel, Emmanuel, it happened. Look at Isaiah 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born, and to us a son is given. Did that happen? That's been fulfilled. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. But that part has happened. And we call him those things. That's going to happen. Just as surely as the other part. And as you read through Micah, you see those things where they were warned and it happened. But then there's also the future things that are coming. Christ is the eternal one who will gather his flock. The promise is there. Micah holds that promise out. And other, other prophets agree with that. In fact, the majority of well, all the prophets talked about the day of the Lord. They all talked about that regathering in God's promises and what he's going to do with Israel. There's this intermission. There's this period of time when God's no respecter of persons. There is this time when there's neither Jew nor Gentile, but they're dividing the Christ. We're in that day of grace. There's that time right now that's going on. But the prophets, that those things that were prophesied concerning Israel, and you can watch the news, you can see things that are starting to focus on that area, and people, Christ is going to do exactly what he said he was going to do. Look at Ezekiel. Ezekiel 34. Now, Michael is no longer prophesying when Ezekiel writes this. You know why? Because Judah had already been taken into Babylonian captivity. When Ezekiel writes this, Judah has been taken into Babylon. Ezekiel is in Babylon. Daniel is in Babylon. Ezekiel 34, verse 11. But thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I, even I, will search my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock in the day that he is among his sheep that are scattered, so will I seek out my sheep and will deliver them out of the places where they have been scattered in the cloudy and dark day. And I will bring them out from the people and gather them from the countries and will bring them to their own land and feed them upon the mountains of Israel by the rivers and all the inhabited places of the country. And I will feed them in good pasture Upon the high mountains of Israel shall their fold be, and there shall they lie in a good fold, and in a fat pasture shall they feed upon the mountains of Israel. And I will feed my flock, and I will cause them to lie down, saith the Lord God. Hey, no wonder Christ calls himself what? The good shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. He came into his own, his own received him not, but he came only to the low sheep of the house of Israel. There's he came telling Israel. Go back and read Ezekiel. Go back and read Jeremiah. I am the good shepherd. Verse 16, I will seek that which was lost. What Christ says, I came to seek and save that which was lost. It's all the fulfillment of these scriptures. I will seek that which was lost and bring again that which was driven away. And I will bind up that which was broken and will strengthen that which was sick. But I will destroy the fat and the strong, and I will feed them with judgment. Verse 22, Therefore will I save my flock, 
and they shall no more be a prey. I will judge between cattle and cattle. I will set up the one shepherd over them, and he shall feed them. Even my servant David, he shall feed them, and he shall be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David, a prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken it. Has it ever happened? Not yet. Is it going to happen? You bet you. You bet you. Look at Ezekiel 37. We were just talking about that a few seconds ago. Ezekiel 37, verse 11. Then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones of the whole house of Israel behold. They say our bones are dry and our hope is lost. And we are cut off from our parts. Therefore prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will cause your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves and shall put my spirit in you, and you shall live and shall place you in your own land. Then shall you know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, saith the Lord. Look at verse 28 of that chapter. Oh, was verse 27. My tabernacle also shall be with them. Yea, I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And the Gentiles shall know that I, the Lord, do sanctify Israel when my sanctuary shall be in the midst of them forevermore. Has that ever happened? It's never happened. It's coming. Micah and, and Hosea and Amos and Nahum and Obadiah and Joel, all of these prophets, nothing minor about their message. Let me tell you, we're all talking about what God's promised. And the certainty of what he says is going to happen is going to happen. Look at Jeremiah. Jeremiah 23. Jeremiah comes a little later than Micah. Jeremiah sees Judah and death rows. Jeremiah, he sees Judah in the wicked Jeremiah was there for Josiah and he mentored Josiah. And Josiah was a good king who loved God. But right after Josiah, it went south. But here's what Jeremiah says Jeremiah 23, and I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all countries where I have driven them and will bring them again to their folds, and they shall be fruitful and Verse 5, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch, and a king shall reign and prosper, and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. Has that happened? Is it going to happen? Amen. It's going to happen. And in those days, Judah shall be saved, and Israel shall dwell safely. And this is the name whereby he shall be called the Lord our righteousness. 
And the reason I say all this is for you to understand the faithfulness of God. What God has declared is to happen, will happen because His very word is at stake. And He's going to make it happen. How close are we? Close or close. One month in Jeremiah. Jeremiah 33. I mentioned a few weeks ago that you might be tired of being here so many scriptures. And uh, a bunch of you spanking over there. And I appreciate it. Because there's no way that you can have too many scriptures. Amen. Jeremiah, preaching to the same people that Micah had been preaching to. Behold, verse 14, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will perform that good thing which I have promised unto the house of Israel and to the house of Judah. Folks, we've been reading it, we've been studying it, we've been looking at it. And in those days, at that time, will I raise the branch of righteousness to grow up into David, and he shall execute judgment and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah shall be saved, and Jerusalem shall dwell safely. And this is the name wherewith he shall be called, or she shall be called, the Lord our righteousness. Oh, folks, there's so many scriptures. All the Old Testament, it points to the Messiah coming. It points to the fact that here's what the Messiah is going to do. Here's what you can expect him to accomplish when he's on earth. The blind are going to see, the deaf are going to hear, the lame are going to walk, the deaf are going to hear. The dead are going to be raised up. All of those things, when the Messiah comes, expect these things to happen. Now, if Christ Jesus had come and none of those things had taken place, you can kind of understand why the chief priest and the Sadducees would go, hmm, there's something wrong here. But he did exactly what the Old Testament prophet said he would do. And nothing else. Nothing else. See, that in itself, it's not that he did everything that it was told that he would do in the Old Testament and by the prophets. He didn't do anything else either. See, that's a miracle also. He did exactly what the will of the Father was in order to show God's chosen people those he's promised to be his nation of priests. To rule and reign on Jerusalem, a literal kingdom. All these others are literal. That's going to be literal too. He's promised. What a stern morning in Micah 515. talking to his people. He's talking to them, his chosen nation. 
They had a covenant relationship with him. That covenant had been established. Abraham, Isaac, uh, Jacob, Moses, all, all of these. God had entered into a covenant relationship with Abraham. He was going to fulfill that covenant relationship. They were his special people. They were, he called Abraham out of the earth, the Chaldees, after the Gentiles were given over to a reprobate mind at the Tower of Babel. God was working in and through them. That's why Christ said, I came only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. It was imperative that Israel become that nation of priests. John 5.22 says, salvation is of the Jews. All of that was true of the kingdom program. The memory verse in Micah 6, verse 8, he had showed the old man what is good. This is, this is Michael pleading with the nation of Judah. He showed us what is good. Here's what he's requiring. These are the people of God. These are the ones that basically they have a relationship with God. Oh man, what is good? And what does the Lord require of thee, nation of Judah? You that are God's people already? But to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. That's what God said, I'm requiring of you. Both Israel and Judah were notorious by this time of not being just the widows and the needy and being crooks. They certainly weren't merciful. And they definitely weren't walking humbly. Michael's saying, that's what your God requires. Is that too much to ask? Is that over the top? Here's what he promises he's going to do. But they say, no. But Michael said, how are we in this? And Michael, the promise of I'm going to gather. I'm going to gather you. Promises to them will be fulfilled. Look at chapter 7, verse 18. Talk about a promise. Verse 18. Who is a God likened to thee that pardons iniquity and passes by the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? He retains not his anger forever because he delights in mercy. You read through Micah and the stern warning, the severe warning, and he concludes with this. He retains not his anger forever, but he delights in mercy. He will turn again and he will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our, our iniquities. And that will cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. And it's like Isaiah that we learn that the iniquity of us all is going to be laid upon him. Verse 20. Thou wilt perform the truth to Jacob and the mercy to Abraham, which thou hast sworn unto our fathers from the days of old. This is the 
Micah, after he receives this prophecy from God, after he issues these stern warnings, he ends it with such delightful, such comforting hope. See, that's the way God always does. That's the way he always holds. Holds himself above saying, I will forgive you. I will love you. Not because what Judah was doing then, they're about to go into uh, captivity. It, it was incurable. There was no healing going to happen. But here God says, I'm going, going to you. I'm going to make a difference. Oh, by the way, I almost forgot this. You guys will never forgive me if I didn't bring this up. You know what's silly? You know what is probably the biggest, I don't want to say joke, because it's really not a joke, it's too sad to be a joke. But if you ever go to the United Nations in New York City, and you walk into their big hall, they actually have a scripture verse on the wall when you walk in. Do you know what scripture verse it is? It's Micah 4, 2. Well, actually, verse 3. But let's start with verse 2. Micah 4, 2. And the audacity for men to think they're going to bring this about is sort of ridiculous. It kind of gives you an idea of how man thinks of himself. Because man's not going to bring this about. Michael Fortune walk into the United Nations, they beat their chest, many nations shall come and say, Come, and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord and to the house of the God of Jacob. And he will teach us his ways, and we will walk in his paths, for the law shall go forth from Zion, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. That's not there because they can continue to say bad things about Israel, but that's beside the point. And he shall judge among many people, and rebuke strong nations afar off. Here's the part that's there. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. And people walk in and go, oh my, that's so sweet. That's so, so uplifting and so comforting. You think man's going to be able to prevent that? And do you think the United Nations, their purpose is to bring that about? Where it says to beat your swords into plowshares, your spears into pruning hooks. Who's going to bring that to pass? The true God It's not going to be man. And it's certainly not going to be the United Nations. That's really the truth. What they need in the first will be done. Look at Joel. Before 
mind them comes to pass. Joel is all about the tribulation. Joel is all about what to expect after the rapture of the church, when God's church get in with Israel again, and the two witnesses, and the 144, and all the things that are going to take place the day of the Lord on the earth during that time. See, it's during the kingdom when that verse in Micah is fulfilled. When Christ himself is ruling and reigning. But prior to that, you don't see this verse in the UN. Proclaim, verse 9, chapter 3. Proclaim ye this among the Gentiles. Prepare war. Wake up the mighty men. Let all the men of the war draw near. Let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am strong. This is the exact opposite of Micah. Gotta get the right timing. Assemble yourselves and come, all you heathen, and gather yourselves together around the fact. Thither cause thy mighty ones to come down, O Lord. When we get to Joel next week, talks about Christ and Joel is the one who roars out of heaven. That's who he is the Lord. So before Micah's is fulfilled, you've got Joel's, where it's to be pruning hooks and the swords and spears to get ready for the battle that's going to be taking place. See, God's word is true. Those things are going to happen. And this morning we can, when I read this, and I go through this and I study this, number one, it just makes me understand and realize how close we are. It is coming. And it causes me to praise him for his mercy, for his grace, and for his love. And to appreciate all that he's done in order to purchase my redemption in this day of grace. And I praise him for it. His long suffering. His patience with me is incredible. I just need you to. When I read what God's people had, and I know that they are our example of what not to do, it makes me shudder. And I pray this morning that each and every one of you has that right relation, right relationship with Jesus Christ. If you don't, you can't. There's no aisle walking. There's no baptism. There's no, there's nothing that you have to do where you add to the mercy and the power of God to save. What you do is exactly what God wants you to do. By faith, believe, and trust. See, then He gets all the glory. He gets all the praise. It all goes to Him. 
But Lord, I did. Thank you.